This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The year was 1992, the very year that the Lord spoke to my heart as a lawyer there in Southern California that I had been pleading the cause of men long enough, and he wanted me to plead his cause in the land as a voice to the church, declaring vision for the nation. It was also the year when the Los Angeles Watts riots took place, and I was there. In fact, I had actually been speaking in Watts a number of times to black congregations there, and they invited me to come back. Interesting. But the cover story of Time magazine, May 11th, 1992, contained these words that have echoed down through most recent history. Can we all get along? Those are the words of Rodney King. He was beaten after a monumental police chase that had stirred up the minds and hearts of the police officers to use force that had been charged as excessive force. But Rodney King cried out, can't we all get along? The answer is apparently not. Apparently, we can't all get along because we don't want to get along. Maybe that's the reason. Let me share with you a few of the uh, highlights from the 1992 Los Angeles riots, which we watched on television. As I said, I was right there in Pasadena, California, just about 20 miles away from Watts. It had already spoken in Watts a number of times. After a jury acquitted four officers of the Los Angeles Police Department charged with using excessive force in the arrest and beating of Rodney King, the incident had been videotaped by George Holliday, who was a bystander to the incident and was heavily broadcast in news and media outlets. In fact, it went on and on and on and on. The rioting took place in several areas in Los Angeles. Thousands of people rioted over six days. Widespread looting, assault, and arson occurred during the riots as if that was going to solve some problem, which local police officers then had difficulty controlling. The situation was resolved after the California National Guard, the United States military, and several federal law enforcement agencies deployed more than 10,000 of their armed first responders to assist in ending the violence and unrest that accomplished nothing. When the riots ended, 63 people had been killed, 2,383 had been injured, more than 12,000 had been arrested, and estimates of property damage were over a billion dollars, which by today's money would be more like about $10 billion. It was the most destructive period of local unrest in U.S. history. The background There was growing resentment and violence also between African-Americans and the Korean-American communities. Racial tensions there had simmered. But the incident with Rodney King had nothing to do with the Koreans. They had attempted to institute a traffic stop of Rodney King. He had two passengers in his car. The California High Patrol, Highway Patrol tried to stop and a high-speed intercept, uh, high-speed pursuit ensued with speeds estimated at up to 115 miles per hour before King eventually exited the freeway at Foothill Boulevard, a freeway which I well know. The pursuit continued through residential neighborhoods. Finally, Mr. King 
stopped. The Los Angeles Police Department, with five officers, surrounded King, who came out of the car at last. They tasered him, struck him dozens of times with side-handled batons, kicked, stomped him in the back, and tackled him to the ground before handcuffing him and hog-tying his legs. Unbeknownst to the police and King, the incident was captured on a camcorder. And the instant focus of media attention and rallying point for activists in Los Angeles and all over the country continued. The officers in a trial were acquitted. And the riots continued. Welcome to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation with ever-increasing conviction. Talk that transforms. And Martin Luther King Jr. said he had a vision, a dream, where little black boys and black girls were able to join hands with little boys and white girls and walk together as sisters and brothers. He had a dream. Well, Booker T. Washington, another black gentleman who founded the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama, stated... I would permit no man to degrade my soul by making me hate him. He said, great men cultivate love. Only little men cherish a spirit of hatred. But Booker T. Washington warned these words. He says, there is another class of colored people who make a business of keeping the troubles, the wrongs, and the hardships of the Negro race before the public. Having learned that they are able to make a living out of their troubles, They have grown into the settled habit of advertising their wrongs, partly because they want sympathy and partly because it pays. These people don't want the Negro to lose his grievances because they don't want to lose their jobs. He said there is a certain class of race problem solvers who do not want the patient to get well because as long as the disease holds out, they have not only an easy means of making a living, but an easy medium through which to make themselves prominent before the public. And finally, in 1940, Franklin D. Roosevelt warned Congress with these words, doctrines that set group against group, faith against faith, race against race, class against class, fanning the fires of hatred in men too despondent, too desperate to think for themselves, were used as rabble-rousing slogans on which dictators could ride to power. And once in power, they could saddle their tyrannies on whole nations. He concluded by saying, whoever seeks to set one race against another seeks to enslave all races. So-called racial voting blocks, he said, are the creation of designing politicians who profess to be able to deliver them on election day. Well, all of that today on Viewpoint, friends, as we discuss with our special guest today, Dorothy Logan, the whole issue of critical race theory, black and white, and where does it all fit today? The history is before us, recent history. In fact, so recent that in 2013, this article came out saying, Obama is killing race relations in the United States. Killing race relations in the United States. The country's race problems we thought had been put to bed with the election of the first black president in America. Not so. In fact, the race problems deteriorated dramatically in just four and a half years since the election of President Obama 
those numbers of favorability and race relations in America had dropped so sharply that in the month uh, of Obama's inauguration, 79% of whites and 63% of blacks held a favorable view of race race relations. But four and a half years later, there was a decline of 27 points for whites and 25 points for blacks. So much for the sense that somehow an election will heal our problems. But how about critical race theory? Will that heal our problems? That's what we want to talk about for the balance of the program here today. Our special guest today, Dorothy Logan, with her book, Black and White. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. If the racial divide is as bad as those hustlers are insisting it is, then how exactly are the solutions being promoted supposed to heal the divide? Like CRT, or critical race theory. It seems that racial division is only one form of division in our society today. In an era of identity politics, political polarization, and politicization of every issue, we assign positions and values to people based on a single unrelated characteristic. Says our guest today, we are dehumanizing the humans that make up our society and destroying the fabric of our country through isolation and alienation, and I might say, by intent. Dorothy Logan, joining us today with her book, Black and White, an essay on critical theory, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. Dorothy, it's good to have you on the program again. Thank you so much for having me back. Well, you have written a very small but powerful book, and uh, I think your discussion is much needed at this time. Uh, So much is being said about critical race theory, and even some of our uh, more conservative, so-called Protestant denominations and so on, are jumping on the bandwagon and actually causing incredible division even in those denominations. It seems that the supposed solution of critical race theory is actually destroying the underpinnings of the country and the healing of the country. What say you? I think you're absolutely right. With the, the favorability ratings that you just quoted, Race relations were fairly favorable in in the country, but that did not serve the intents and purposes of those who wanted to fundamentally transform our our nation, right? So they had to create the division. And I think they are, again, you had me on for another book, The Unraveling, where the, the wheat and tares, right? This is just an example of sowing tares to replace the good wheat with something that will poison us and cause the division and the destruction of the country that they actually intend. They don't intend to fix race relations at all. The actual intent is to create that division. And for what purpose? 
it is in essence because this is only one aspect of the division. The division we as we dehumanize and as we create contempt and we no longer are looking to the true moral authority. We are looking for them to solve another problem and they will solve that problem by taking control of everything because they even want to have a central planning of our own pursuit of happiness. We're not allowed to pursue our own happiness anymore. They're going to tell us what makes us happy. All right. There's no question that we are divided. We're becoming more divided. We're not just divided according to so-called race. We're divided now according to gender uh, and so divided according to gender that apparently there's something like 26 uh, new letters and so on to describe all kinds of varieties of different genderism and uh, sexualism. Everything seems to be calculated to divide and conquer. Indeed, they really do want to tear down the system that's in place, the system based on our fundamental principles and values, and replace it with what they believe. And when I say they, it's like that great big they in the sky. Mm-hmm, but right. I think, I, <laughs> I think, I think you know, Barack Obama said it in his campaigning. He want you know, we're you know, one day away or whatever from trans, um, fundamentally transforming the country and. These people, they want to rebuild or, you know, build it back better. But before they can build it back better, they have to deconstruct it and completely demolish it. And this is one way they're doing that. All right. And so when they say build back better, uh, that requires a definition. What does it mean to build back? First of all, it implies that everything's been torn down. Mm -hmm. Next, what is supposed to be better? And you've just described the end goal of this, and that is to create a non-democratic government in the name of democracy so as to have absolutely dictatorial control to create a so-called utopian society to eliminate all problems, problems by coercion. That is their intent. And I do believe some of them actually believe that they have the best intention for the country mm-hmm. and only they know best the problem is they're not all knowing and they they are really in it for their own power but they do believe if they don't institute what they believe is best for everyone society will fall apart well people will say you know uh, we have a declaration of independence that said life liberty and the pursuit of happiness but uh, where is the life, where is the liberty, where is the pursuit of happiness, and why is it that we had a constitution that uh, did not treat a black voter as a full man? Uh, isn't that demeaning, and doesn't that reveal that our our government, our foundational government, is corrupt from the get-go and has to be abolished? That's their argument. Yes, that's their argument, but it's untrue. There's nothing in the document itself that forces unfair treatment. In fact, it recognizes that this, these are the rights for all men, for all people who are created. And it's not, I don't even think it's fair to say the black voter, because at the time there were people, there were, there were black people involved in politics and voting, and they had all the same rights. It was that the people in power in certain states and certain jurisdictions allowed that power to corrupt them. And they were the ones in violation of natural law by denying these rights that are inherent. Um, they were the ones in violation of these uh, of, of by denying these rights to an entire segment of people. Well, it's interesting because on my 
uh, gallery wall here in our offices is a very precious uh, document to me. It is a handwritten note written from the United States Senate on the floor of the United States Senate uh, that uh, talks about the eradication of slavery. And it was written by a white black senator. And he was almost beaten to death on the floor of the United States Senate by all of the Democratic representatives of the United States Senate. All the Democrats came on him and beat him to a pulp from which he never fully recovered. What does that tell you about what people really think about the difference between the attitudes of Democrats and Republicans politically? I think that they've bought into the lie that, oh, the the Democrats are the ones protecting um, the rights and therefore the civil rights, therefore for the African-American, the, the black people, they're actually for them. But their policies, even or that we switched, like the Republicans were anti-slavery and now they're racist, um, and that the party switched. But the reality is the policies that the Democrats pursue and telling people that this is about the good of that, of the African-American community, are actually set up to um, maintain the division and to maintain their dependence and to maintain their um, place in the yeah. socioeconomic position of, of inferiority. Well, that was the theory of Lyndon Baines Johnson because he realized the Republicans were winning the debate. And he says, we have another idea. We'll seduce black America into total dependence upon us by offering them all these benefits and that's unfortunately what has happened, and black pastors have bought into it. Uh, they've been seduced as well, uh, thinking that somehow it's for the betterment of their congregations. And so we're in a, a mess right now. And then to add to all of that comes this whole idea of critical race theory. Now, before we get into the race part of it, uh, explain to us what critical theory is about. So I... I get a bit perturbed when people say it's the Hegelian dialectic. And so I I do put a bit of effort into the book to explain Mm -hmm. how it's not the Hegelian dialectic Mm -hmm. because it's not interpreting history. It is setting up false premises to prove their false theory correct. Um, So they produce false facts with false premises to produce, to justify their theory to what their theory is really a strategy for power reversal uh, or power implementation over tyranny again, right? So mm-hmm. it's actually a strategy towards tyranny, and they justify it using false facts and false premises so that their their theory cannot be questioned. And they're jerking people's emotions around based yeah. upon the word race, because that's what gets them. And uh, so they're sowing the seeds of division and uh, corrupting the system and actually depriving of happiness, depriving of life uh, and, and liberty. Uh, their, their whole goal is to undermine the very foundations of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in, in, uh, under the aegis of democracy to eliminate democracy. Yeah, and it has to be, this is why they have to, 
constantly tell people how oppressed they are. Mm-hmm. Because if they were to open their eyes and say, wait, I can make a different decision tomorrow, right, that would vastly improve my position where I am, that would be against the intention of the whole movement. So the idea is we have to constantly, constantly, constantly remind them, remind them, remind them that they are oppressed, that they are victims. We have to to tell them who their oppressors are, that the system is their oppressor, so they don't look to the system for the solutions, which is where the system, which is where the solutions really are. And And even this reframing of what democracy means, this idea that, you know, tyranny of the majority. We have a republic. We are supposed to have a constitutional republic. But they actually have reframed the narrative to say, we want democracy and you want to be on the winning side. Because, again, it's that um, a dichotomy where if you're not in my group, you're in the other group, and thus my enemy in all things. Mm-hmm. And so we have to make sure our group wins. So democracy is the tool with which they're destroying democracy. Exactly. All the connotations. And critical race theory is fundamentally contrary and in opposition to Christianity. Christianity uh, provides, in fact, not only provides, but requires forgiveness. Critical race theory says there is no forgiveness. You are fundamentally racist because you're white and therefore the system is white, and therefore it must be destroyed. Is that, is that the correct analysis? It is the correct analysis. In fact, they talk about collective salvation and collective sin when we all know that this is at an individual level. All right. This is, a, this is very important, friends. This conversation is very, very important. You might want to have your friends, Romans, and countrymen uh, listen to this program uh, all over the country. Because people are being sold a bill of goods. White folk are being made to feel guilty over something that is a superimposed guilt, not defined by the scriptures, but defined now by the activists promoting critical race theory and the destruction of the very foundations of this country. Was Abraham Lincoln correct when he said that America was the last best hope of Earth? Why do they want to destroy the last best hope of Earth? Why do they want to destroy the country that actually came against slavery, that actually made it illegal? Why do they want to do that? Because there's another agenda, and it's much, much bigger, friends, and it goes ultimately to the spirit of globalism. They must destroy the underpinnings of this country, which, together with Israel, is the last bastion against the new world order and globalism. I'm putting it in a much bigger picture. We need to understand that. And I want you to get a copy of uh, Dorothy Logan's book. It's called Black and White, an essay on critical theory, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. It's uh, very easily read And uh, I think it's going to be very, very helpful. $10 is going to put it in your hands, just $10. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, 
Before we go into this next break, I want to just uh, direct your attention to my book, Renewing the Soul of America. It was endorsed by 28 national Christian leaders. And I'm not bringing this up to compete with uh, Dorothy's book, but rather to help put it together as a package that I think will help you. An entire chapter is called Racism, Rhetoric, and Reconciliation. Here are some excerpts. Racism is a reality. It has no place in our civil body politic and is repugnant to our covenant with God and our fellow man. But fundamentally, racism is not a problem that can be remedied by legislation or litigation or even by CRT, by the way. It can only be accomplished by heart surgery. And there's only one qualifies for such surgery, and that is the great physician. We'll be right back, friends. Stay tuned. This is Viewpoint. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. In the next two segments here on Viewpoint Today, we're going to take a look at three terms. The first is critical theory, which we've been discussing. The second is critical gender theory, which we have not discussed. And the third is critical racial theory, which we have only discussed in part. We're going to break these apart. We're going to talk, take a look at them in honesty, with integrity, so that we can understand what deception is being laid upon we the people, even those who have the intention to do good and want to see healing in America. These things are not about healing. They're not about reconciliation. They are critical. They're critical of one thing, the foundations of American government. That's what they're critical of. And they're being used as a wedge to divide the genders that God created in his, in his image, male and female created he them, and then to divide so-called races. But are there races? We'll talk about that later. Critical gender theory is not about equality of the sexes, recognizing their differences and honoring them, says Dorothy Logan. It's not about elevating accomplishments of women. It's not about protecting women from predators or unjust illegal acts. Nor is it about providing women political and legal equality. It's about wielding power that is anti-male. Dorothy, you're going to have to explain this. A lot of people may not be familiar with this thinking. Right. So with critical 
theory, you have the the thesis is there's oppression, right? We have oppression here mm-hmm. and there everywhere. And in gender theory, it starts out with feminism. There's, we're oppressed by men. And so in response to this oppression by a maleness, um, we have toxic masculinity, right? So mm-hmm. in, in response to in that... In other words, you have, have to create a label that libels the entire masculine population, the entire male population, in order to demonize it. Absolutely. And so then you have, instead of an antithesis, like Hegel, you have an Mm antithesis. So it's like you have the the exact opposite, the negative value, which doesn't mean we don't want a feminine power structure. We want an anti-masculine power structure. We want something that eliminates masculinity as a concept. And this is, this. I mean, there might be other ways to view it. Which by definition, by the way, of necessity elevates women to predominance because nature abhors a vacuum. Right. But that's also why we have this kind of um, in uh, the vacuum sucking up all these other 26 genders. That's correct. Because you, <laughs> you have this idea that masculinity is toxic, we have to get rid of maleness, so we have thems and deep fawn selves and <laughs> whatever. And so you do have a, a fem, but it's not femininity coming to the, the forefront. It's an anti-male power. It's a they want to suppress and oppress all masculinity and it's not elevate feminine. We're not elevating femininity. We're simply eliminating um, the what they see as toxic or the, the problem, which actually, if we know, we know what we're made, you know, male and female um, to complement each other. And that needs to be in balance. We don't need to eliminate uh, masculinity and we don't, but it, because by eliminating masculinity, we're also eliminating femininity and we're eliminating um, what makes the human race. <laughs> there is only one race, right? The That's human right. race, it, it's what makes it so work so well. All right. Now, let's let's take this further. Uh, Jill Soloway, an actress, was receiving her award uh, there in uh, Hollywood or Los Angeles several years ago. And she made this statement down with patriarchy. Down with patriarchy. What she was really saying is down with masculinity. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. During this entire period now, as this critical gender theory has developed, the implications now have been much broader, down with Father God, up with Mother Earth. Down with Father God, up with Mother Earth. And that has even taken hold in our churches. It's amazing. This has had unbelievable impact, and it is defaming the God of creation, and turning him into a woman. In fact, there have been major efforts to degenderize the Bible. Why? It's all about this critical gender theory. Yeah, and it gets and it gets kind of worse when it comes to this as well. I mean, it's, so, it's such a multi-pronged attack, because right. now we can say God does make mistakes. He's a creator God, but he's flawed, mm. and um, we know better than he does as t- taking the original sin to its completion. Right. Right? We want to be God. We can decide 
what we are, we can recreate ourselves and this and it's all a part of and as we look at the the elimination of masculinity and I, I put it I put it there. I mean women women can be better men than men ever were and men, well, they can be turned into women. So this masculinity is also this kind of like a social construct we can create. The, the universe that we want because God made mistakes. Sister, you have gone for the jugular on so many of these things. Tell us about transgenderism and homosexuality, though. Where do they fit in this picture? <laughs> well, again, we're, we, we are supposed to, we are created with a certain purpose. I could even mm-hmm. go so far as the whole meta-narrative of the of scripture is to point us to a relationship with God right. as all of humanity. So this marriage, even male and female, he created them, that equality is there. But as we move forward, that's our relationship we're supposed to have with God, our Father. Christ is the bridegroom, and the Church is the bride. And there's so many analogies that can be um, drawn from this and lessons that can be drawn about the relationship that we're supposed to have. All right, so even what you're saying by implication is that even our relationship with Christ as the bridegroom has to be destroyed because of critical race theory. Absolutely. And that's why homosexuality is so important, and that's why transgenderism is so important. And that's Mm -hmm. why it has a multi-pronged attack on all fronts. Wow. This is big. All right. Critical gender theory. First of all, it's critical. Critical of what? Critical of what God has ordained. Critical of what is and decides to destroy it in favor of something else. Gender. Critical of gender. Who created gender? God did. Therefore, it's critical of God. Theory. It's a theory, friends. It's not truth. It's a theory. Critical gender theory. Think about the words. Now we move to the next one. Critical race theory. It's critical. It's about race. And it's a theory. But is there, are there many races? Just this week, I had a call from a black pastor who said very boldly, there's only one race, and that's the human race. So I'm wondering why he's talking such racial language to me after having said that. You see, we have a problem. We have presumed that there are many races when the Bible tells us there's only one race. And what God wants to do is bring us all Red and yellow, black and white, precious in his sight. He wants to bring us all together as one blood in Christ. Isn't that what it's ultimately all about, Dorothy? Yes. I mean, Galatians 3.26 is very clear. I mean, just as sin entered the world through one man, right, so we are all justified in in Christ. There's neither male nor free. This is the only place, right, Um, or Jew or Greek, or slave or free. This is right. where we are all we are all equal in the in the eyes of God when it when it comes there. If we reject Christ, we re- actually reject the ultimate um, equality of man. Um, and the, the, this idea of race is they keep telling us it's a social construct. And then I'm thinking, well, then why are we still talking about exactly, it? Exactly. Exactly. 
And then you have, you see, we have a classic illustration of this in the attack by Hamas, which is Arab, upon uh, Israel, Jewish people. But interestingly, they both have their DNA heritage through Abraham. Both of them have their DNA heritage through Abraham. So they're not a separate race. They're not a separate race. So what is it that's driving this? It's envy, my friends. It's envy, and it goes all the way back to Ishmael and Isaac. All the way back to Ishmael and Isaac. It's not about race. It's about envy. We will find ways to divide ourselves any by any reason we want. There's been an attack by Azerbaijan against Armenia. Why? It's not about race. It's about land. So then why was Israel supplying weapons to Azerbaijan to attack Armenia, the first Christian nation in the world? It had other motives. Unfortunately, we're not willing to identify the real motives. And so we are sold a bill of goods by the promoters, the activists that want to divide rather than bring us together in Christ. I am so up with this. This is, uh, can you imagine, Dorothy, how God, the creator of all, feels about this? I suppose he is breathing and... I, I sometimes think, yeah, I get why the flood came. <laughs> God said, I'm up here with you. <laughs> okay, friends, the book, it's called Black and White, an essay on critical theory, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. You really, really, really need to get a copy of this book. So easy to read and understand. And uh, if I can get it, you can get it. It's on our website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Only $10 will put it in your hands. You can write to us at Save America Ministries. Do it today. Don't delay. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about this critical race theory. What does it really mean? Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. God in His uh, justice and you might say, holy exasperation, said, I'm up to here with the people that I have created. I'm going to destroy them all. But I'm going to save one, a man by the name of Noah, 
because I find him perfect in his generation, as perfect as a human being could be. And so he saved Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives, eight people from the flood that destroyed the earth by the building of an ark. Took them 120 years to get it all together, and they did. So, when the flood waters abated from the earth, they came out of the ark, Noah and his wife, and his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives. I don't know whether he had had any kids there on the ark. We don't. We aren't told that. But Shem, Ham, and Japheth came out of the loins of Noah. And from them came you and me, regardless of our color, regardless of our nationalities or cultures, we all came from those three beings, and they all came from Noah. You get the message? There's only one race, the human race. So when we talk about critical race theory, what are we actually talking about? When we talk about racism, What is it? Well, we know it's an ism. In other words, it's a belief system. It's an ism related to race. But if there's only one race, then where does the ism come from? You see, we're not really thinking about these things rationally, are we? Dorothy, what do you think about that? If there's only one race, and we all came, all had the same DNA heritage, we have different cultures, We have different nationalities because God told the people to disperse throughout the earth. God said that. When they tried to do otherwise at Babel, he destroyed their efforts. God wanted them to disperse. So they dispersed, and now we have critical race theory. Go figure it out. Tell us what this really means. Well, first of all, there is only one race, the human race. Um, but even in the official definitions that the government uses in these, the Anne E. Casey Foundation is the go-to, mm-hmm. um, you have race as a socially constructed system of categorizing humans. And again, that's really important okay. for critical theory mm-hmm. is that we have to categorize the humans. And then the ideology, they do call it an ideology as well that's been ingrained in us. Okay, so, so when we categorize, that's another word for divide. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Let's be honest about it. Yes, you have to divide people into groups. And you divide and you conquer. Okay. That is how it's done. (laughs) So (laughs) um, critical race theory uses that division to then set up the system, right? The critical part of the the critical theory part is the system. So there's systemic racism, a belief in race. So um, this uh, and and that to be used for domination, according to their definition. And so they then associate systemic racism with white supremacy. So they couple these ideas together, and then they just say, this system is white, and everything related to the current system is white. And therefore, the current system is racist. And we all know racism is bad because we've been told over and over again. So everything in the dominant culture, everything is racist and um everything is white and that's what we have to take down which means taking down all our values all christian values all um our shared meaning all of our ideas about everything like you said earlier democracy liberty 
equality, it all has to be taken down and replaced with their their ideas um, or exact. Well, actually, it has to be replaced with the exact opposite mm-hmm. of what of what our, our culture is founded on. All right. And it is interesting in my book, Renewing the Soul of America, I talk about that original battle there at uh, Lexington and Concord, the shot heard round the world, that was the foundation for the American Revolution and uh, gave birth to our Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. And the very first person that was killed was a black man by the name of Christopher Attucks. The very first one. So right at the beginning, at the very beginning, was a black gentleman in this country who was fighting for the country that resulted in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. I don't ever hear anybody talk about that, but we did right there in our book, Renewing the Soul of America. I think we need a a huge renewing of our soul, don't you? Yes, because as they're trying to destroy it, they, they're they they're becoming fairly successful. I mean, how many demoralized Christians do you know? Exactly. I, I think we need to remember to re, the renewing of our minds, renewing of our spirit, and it only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can, we can't do this on our own. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are not innately in us as, you know, as human beings, we're flawed. Our flesh doesn't go in that direction. So we do need a renewing um, and a refreshing of that, that spirit, just like David in, in the Psalms, um, create a new spirit. Right. Created me a clean heart. A clean heart. Yeah, absolutely. And Renew a right spirit within me. Spirit within me. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, the critical race theory and proponents thereof circle the country, are paid big bucks to go into America's corporations and churches and government institutions to sow the spirit of critical race theory, which is about divide and conquer. It's about destroying that which our institutions are paying to have done. Go figure. And and they make it sound so beneficial, and they want pe- and they get people on board. And I think mm-hmm. that that is so crucial. Um, they're paid a lot of money for people to hate themselves. To Isn't that amazing? It's just amazing. Yeah. It's just amazing. And God, in His mercy and in His grace is seeking to bring true conviction into the minds and hearts of we the people and Christians. We reject that, but we're embracing the counterfeit of a false religion, a false guilt, and a false sin from which you cannot even be saved or redeemed. It is absolutely a wicked system that's being superimposed upon we the people here in this country. We're not just being lulled into a false guilt, but false hate of our stuff. Like, no matter what side you're on, right? You have to believe you're a victim, exactly. or you have to believe you're an oppressor. There's no, there's no, there's no good side here. Right. Um, you're 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 either a victim or an oppressor. And I, I even talk about not in this book, but this idea that we, if if you don't hate me as much as I hate myself, then I can't love you. 
Mm-hmm. Like that's that's basically, you know, you have to you have to believe the lie that I'm telling myself because I hate myself so much. Uh-huh. And if you don't if you don't tell me you believe the same lie I'm believing about myself, then somehow your hate is if you don't hate me, you can't love me. And it becomes really. So all of the effort toward racial reconciliation that began around 1992. And I I personally made huge efforts in this regard. In fact, one of the the, the very first uh, uh, auxiliary board member for Save America Ministries was Dr. John Perkins, a very highly respected uh, black gentleman, uh, evangelical leader, who was also my longtime friend. And other than people who listen to this program, he probably heard me speak more times in Southern California than any other human being, Dr. John Perkins. But... Uh, you know, there, there's no racial bone in my body. What I'm concerned about is that we come together as one in Christ, in Yeshua. That has been what he has called us to do. And I'm, I'm thinking, uh, Dorothy, and we're approaching the end of the program, there was a fellow by the name of Frederick Douglass. Uh, you may remember him mm-hmm. uh, back in the 1800s. He, he said this, I am black but I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Republican. Why? He said, I never intend to belong to any other party than the party of freedom. The party of freedom. Why would he do that? Well, because he saw through the shenanigans of a party that throughout history sought to demean and oppress black people. Now, black people, that's a color. It's not a race, is it? No. So when I say in my book, Renewing the Soul of America, that racism in reality has no place in our civil body politic, I'm really kind of using that term maybe a little bit off, but that's the way we think. That's the way people think. And uh, I said, so let's not pretend that this doesn't isn't real, doesn't isn't rampant, uh, but it's being exacerbated by f- the frenzy of strident activists. So where does that leave us? He said, I am convinced that the God who gave us liberty will no longer tolerate a church that in both black and white congregations not only tolerates but perpetuates this uh, idea that we're separated by races and should disrespect one another and uh, have power over one another. Now, The time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God in our civil body politic. We're praying for revival with unclean hands in both black and white congregations. And the supreme ruler of nations will not tolerate a church with spot or wrinkle or any such thing, including critical race theory. And here's further food for thought, friends. In the sacred writings, God did not send his spirit in power until his people we're in one accord. So how about the words of Harriet Beecher Stowe? She left a message in 1852 that echoes the words of her famous Uncle Tom's cabin. A day of grace is yet held out to us, both north and south, I would say black and white, have been guilty before God, and the Christian church has a heavy account to answer, not by combining together to protect injustice and cruelty and CRT, And make a common capital of sin is this union to be saved, but by repentance, justice, and mercy. 
So the choice is ours, friends. By the way, that book, Renewing the Soul of America, is available to you for $15. And if you get that book together with our guest book, Black and White, you'll only pay $2 postage and handling for the second book. And so you'll get both books for a total of $7 postage and handling instead of $5 for each. But it's up to you. Up to you. Our guest book, Dorothy Logan, Black and White, an essay on critical theory, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. So much more that we were not able to talk about here on the program, but this so-called critical race theory and critical gender theory is so destructive and deceptive, it is actually an engine of Satan himself, the deceiver, to destroy the last best hope of earth. That's what it is. Now, you make the choice. You make the choice. You may not like what you just heard, but you better listen. Because history is going to tell the tale. And you're going to write history. And if you think the concept of equity is what we should be looking at, no. The use of the word equity, says our guest, twists the original intent of the word equality Equality is not about giving everyone the same things in order to enjoy full, healthy lives. It's about equally protecting each person's right to pursue happiness. That's right. right. If it is the government that is giving rights, it's the government that can take them away. But if God gives us our inherent rights, then the premise of this new critical race theory and so on is absolutely false and consummately destructive. Friends, so much of this book, Black and White, I hope you'll get a copy of it. It'll help to heal us, help to uh, set the record straight. Dorothy, thanks so much for uh, providing this to us. You're a real blessing, sister. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. The book, Black and White, $10 on our website, saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA and become a partner, friends. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. We're not hesitating to deal with the most difficult issues of our time from God's eternal perspective. I hope you see it that way. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.